We're going to go straight to the expert uh, here. Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast is waiting on the line to get to us. Uh, Paul, well, we'll start off. What a weird game of Big Bash cricket that was. G'day to you. Hey, Bray. Hey, Ethan. Yeah, it was a um, strange sort of game, a low scoring. Uh, but I think that all things can be forgiven in a, um, a T20 game if there's a close finish. I think that anyone who uh, stayed tuned in from, from the start to the end might forget that there was, you know, maybe the pitch was a little bit too paced mm-hmm. and there was times when you were craving a few more sixes and fours, but that last over was kind of uh, worth it all. You know, um, two wickets to begin with, a, um, a scintillating six, um, and then the, the, the buys at the end. Uh, so it's a, a topsy-turvy sort of game. And, oh, yeah, look, um, sometimes those low-scoring low ones can be quite memorable. And Gurinder Sandhu, the hero, uh, who would have thought? Man of the match. Yeah, he's improved a lot in uh, in, in recent years, but, yeah, ne- not necessarily... Expecting him to, to to come out and and um, do things with the bat and that 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 six that he hit to effectively win the game um, kind of came from nowhere because after those first two wicket after the, those two wickets and the first two balls of the over it just felt like all the momentum um, was going away from them and uh, yeah what a what a clutch performance and then how how heartbreaking at the end it would have been interesting if the keeper had been out of glove but I think they mm. still probably would have scampered through for the bye I think that sides maybe need to practice a little bit more what they do when the opposition only needs one run. It's kind of, um, you need to have fielders in unusual positions in order to prevent the, the desperate um, attempts for a, for a run that the batting side's going to make. Yeah, you're exactly right. Probably does need to be practiced. And probably, well, if he got the run out, or well, if uh, Joe Clark took it, he could have got the run out and potentially sent it to a super over. And that would have been uh, the ultimate way to start Big Bash this summer. Well, the big news today for this game was Stoinis and Burns testing positive to COVID earlier on today. They they played, didn't contribute too much though with a duck to Stoinis and Joe Burns done his hamstring. Yeah, it's a harsh game, isn't it? I felt sorry for him. Um, he looked so disappointed walking off. I mean, you know, the, just before a big campaign to get COVID and then to, to, to do your hamstring, it's the, the worst time of the year to do it. Um, uh, it's not much more you can say other than uh, great sympathy to him and yeah, I saw him sitting later on um, back from the scan looking pretty disconsolate on the sideline so hopefully he's not going to be out for too long. And Faruqi, probably not a name that a lot of people would uh, know at this stage. He was impressive on debut for the Thunder with two wickets. Yeah, he was. Um, a skiddy sort of bowler, um, faster than he looks um, and uh, look, you know, this is a another example of a, of a young cricketer from Afghanistan that is um, exciting and it is, um, you know, in a country that has not seen a, a lot of great things occur in recent years, one of the one of the shining lights that they um, they are from uh, a, a country that wasn't even all that interested in in cricket in, in uh, generations uh, gone by. I think that um, a lot of them were sort of living in uh, refugee camps in, in in Pakistan. Actually, that's how they how the game sort of really picked up there, and yeah, they produced some of the most exciting young players in the world. So. Uh, he's another one. Hopefully, has a, has a, um, a, a continues to have a, a good big bash after this pretty good first game. Yeah, for sure, he's one on the up. Well, another international name. Uh, not sure if you know of this name that made his debut tonight in the big bash was Trent Bolt. Uh, he also, of course, debuted. And what an exciting first over he produced. Two wickets was on a hat trick. What a start for him. Yeah, so not often you get um, uh, t- twice on a hat trick in the same game. Not yeah. not that he was the, the bowler in both instances, but um. Yeah, it's, uh, people are saying that the, the, the Big Bash doesn't necessarily have all the stars, but he certainly is one. Uh, he's a, a thoroughly entertaining batter to watch with his um, idiosyncratic way of moving around the crease, but uh, one of the 
the very best bowlers in the world, and it's uh, it's a real yeah real thrill to have him to have him in the big bash again. Uh, Twenty eight being the top score for the match to Alex Ross uh, just shows how tough the deck was to bat on. Yes, and I think that um, you can forgive that um, because it's a very difficult job sometimes with conditions. You, you can't get the the pitch exactly as you want it to be, um, but you kind of want not too many games where it's it's hard for the batter. Now, some people will say, well, wait a minute, the batters shouldn't always have it their own way. Um, so I'm all for a bit of lateral movement and um, a bit of good bounce and a bit of spin, but there's a little bit of the sort of two-pacedness towards this pitch, which, which made it um, probably robbed it a little bit um, uh, as far as the spectacle is concerned. But of course, I'm sure that if the uh, the curator was on here, they would point to the fact that um, it went to the last ball of the game and, and was a thrilling finish. And so I suppose you can't be too critical of the pitch. Yeah, for sure. Well, Brody Couch, a name not a lot of people would know. I've played a couple of games last year. Took a juggling catch in the first over off Trent Bolt uh, to get the first wicket on his, well, to be Hattrick Ball, a uh, little spell there. But then took an absolute one-hand screamer to dismiss Chris Green late, uh, late in the piece. Well, that first one, I don't know if you guys, test, test your age, but do you guys remember the Mark Taylor catch that he took where he kicked it up back in the day? I haven't, but I've seen people yeah, referring to it. Yeah, I think I've it. seen it, yeah. Gee, that makes me feel old. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem that long ago in my memory <laughs> where, yeah, he fell over backwards and kicked it up and caught it. Um, yeah. This one was, was that and more. Like, you, yeah, it was. Um, you, you couldn't do that in a, a thousand times if you tried it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, those are the sort of moments that um, can, can really make the, the big bash come alive. So it was good to get one in the first game. And moving on to tomorrow, Strikers and the Sixers are up. Uh, two very strong sides on paper. So we could be looking for... Uh, better quality game tomorrow. Who wins this one? Well, it's very hard in the Big Bash because the sides tend to be so even. Um, obviously, as a as a Sydney sider, I'm biased towards the Sixers, and um, I, I'm really excited by um, seeing if if they can go around and go one better than they did um, last summer. They've got a really experienced core of players, and some of them are uh, you know getting older, but I think that they are really kind of um, you know fit and strong older players like. The likes of, of Christian and Arikas are um, they're not as young as they once were, but the way that they move, you, know, you wouldn't know that. And my favourite is always Steve O'Keefe. I think that mm. um, I, I think that if I had had my way, he would have played a few more Test matches. Certainly would have played a few more Test matches in the in the subcontinent. And I mean, <laughs> the it was was it five years ago now that we, in 2017 that he actually. Um, missed a fair bit of the Big Bash to play Sydney grade cricket to get ready for um, the Tour of India and then took uh, 12 wickets in the first test at Pune and um, won us the game. So uh, we're heading off to India in a couple of months' time. Sadly, he's um, retired from international (laughs) cricket now, but um, I'd almost be ready to uh, make the call up and get get him over there again if he wasn't. Yeah, and Chris Lynn's also playing in that one tomorrow, his debut for the strikers, obviously, with the success at the Heat, so that'll be interesting as well. Yeah, I hope he does really well because if you know those, if he gets to play um, numerous games in those short square boundaries at the Adelaide Oval, mm-hmm. uh, I, I still think that he's got plenty to offer the Big Bash. And sometimes the the, the change in scenery gives a, a real reinvigoration. And it was probably the right time for both him and for the Heat for for a change. Um, but if he can refine the very best of his form in Adelaide, then uh, that's going to make the the Big Bash uh, um, an even better spectacle. Yep, for sure. Well, let's change our attention to the Red Bull stuff. Series wrapped up in Adelaide against the West Indies. No surprises 
in that last test as Australia dominated as everyone thought they would. Yes, um, it was just an incredible performance in the end. That the level of domination, um, uh, you know, to to hark back to history again and reveal my age that the the, the fact that the West Indies got bowled out for seventy seven is quite sym- symmetrical for me because the very earliest memory I have of Australia West Indies Test matches was Australia get bowling, getting bowled out for I think it was seventy seven or seventy six the the first Test in Perth in nineteen eighty four eighty five yeah. Michael Holding took about six for eighteen. And they had a lineup of um, Holding, Garner, Marshall, and Courtney Walsh. So it's not often that Courtney Walsh is the weak link in a, in a foursome of a, a fast bowlers. So all these years later, it's a bit sad to see them um, humbled like that. Uh, it's the ninth biggest win um, in terms of runs in the 145-year history of Test cricket, a win, win by 419 runs. So, look, they, they fought hard at times during the series. I think they fought hard um, for, for most of it, um, but with some injuries occurring plus the fact that they didn't really have much preparation they're over here playing one test on optus stadium one of the fastest bounciest wickets in the world then a day night test in adelaide and then it's all over there's not much opportunity to um get in replacements for injured players to to give them a chance to acclimatize and the aussies are a very very good side so not surprising but um disappointing yeah for sure andrew mcdonald had a press conference today with some news we'll hear from him quickly no, nah, expecting Scott to, to take that spot at the Gabba. So I think that that's the running line. He's done nothing wrong. Um, yeah, his record's amazing at the moment. So, yeah, he'll take his place. And the assumption is that Pat does play. Um, so you'd look at Cummins, Stark and, and Boland um, with Green and Lyon to support around that. So confirmed today, Boland will play for Hazelwood and Neza will miss the chance to play his first home test match at the Gabba. And I'm not, well, obviously, Boland has a great record, but I reckon I would have picked Neza just because he knows the Gabba so, so well. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tough one because there's, I'm sure there are plenty of Sheffield Shield players who would agree with you that they've gone up to, to Brisbane and have found Neza uh, unplayable at times up there. But by the same token, it would be very difficult to omit <laughs> Scott Boland after the way that he's performed as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's Nisa's born at the wrong time. That um, yeah. uh, in times gone by, he would have played many, many test matches, many more test matches for Australia than he has. And um, I think I might have said it last time I was chatting to you. Hopefully, um, he can still figure in contention for the Ashes series because I think of all the places, he's the the sort of bowler that will most fa- be favoured by by English conditions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the South Africans had a draw against Australia. A eh? Dean Elgar. Tunned up. Uh, we know about their bowling, but they seem to have a pretty deep uh, batting lineup as well. Yeah, it's an interesting batting lineup because they've got um, a few sort of what you'd call solid players. Uh, Elgar is, you know, a tried and true performer at Test level. Uh, Bavuma is a, another solid player, although there's a lot of uh, sort of controversy in South Africa about the, about his form. Um, and then they've got a few that, um, like uh, Kyle Verena is their new, new wicketkeeper. You look at his test record, he only averages 27, but in first-class cricket, he's got an average of 52. There's a couple like that that I think haven't really demonstrated much at test level yet, but have a, um, a lot more to them. Like, for example, uh, Rassi van der Dusen is averaging 69 in one-day cricket, um, but only 32 in test cricket. Uh, so I think that he's got um, a little bit more to offer than what his record might have shown um, so far. But I, I think, on the whole, their batting lineup 
doesn't shape as well as Australia's. Mm-hmm. And when you look at their bowling, though, as you said, that their bowling is all class. And if anything, they might even have uh, even a slightly better bowling lineup than Australia. And that's not a not a um, a flippant thing to say because uh, well, not an easy thing to say because the Australian bowling lineup is absolutely fantastic. But with um, Rabada and Gidi and Janssen um, and Norkia, they, those four quick bowlers, and maybe only three of them will will make the side. They are a, a, a pretty fearsome prospect. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I'm going to put you on the spot here or not, but I know you love your Test cricket, uh, and I'm assuming you've seen a bit of South Africa since the cock Fafdu Plessis have retired from Test cricket. What have the South Africans been like in terms of batting? Obviously, Alga turned up. What have they been like since those two got since those two guns have retired? Um, they've been better than I'd feared that they would. That. Um, they have just a, a production line of talent in that country, especially when you consider how many of them they lose. Like, I mean, mm. Nisa and Labashane, for example, are both from South Africa. Uh, at any given time, there are a few dozen South Africans playing um, county cricket. Um, there used to be the, the Colpac rule that was this um, sort of loophole in, in legislation that allowed uh, players uh, from Africa to be regarded as locals when it came to England, so that therefore county sides, which have a limit as to how many overseas players they can have, the South Africans didn't count to that quota. And so a lot of South African players were like, okay, I can take the job security and much better pay of county cricket rather than, um, you know, try to squeeze my way into the South African side and, and potentially not get as much money. So a lot of them would go over there and um, then be lost to international cricket and yet South Africa, you know, I often used to think if the same thing had happened to Australia, if lots of Australia's top talent had sort of evaporated like that, what sort of position would we be in? Yet, as I said, they keep on finding them. So yeah. they, um, they've beaten Australia in the last three series that they've played over here. I know that's going back a little bit, but um, they're, they're every chance of, of doing it again. I think Australia do start as, as narrow favourites, uh, but South Africa... Um, yeah, they're, they also are doing this against the backdrop of a, of a financial situation in their board that has not been good. Um, the, you know, they've got a lot of disadvantages, and yet they are just a, a fantastic sporting nation, and they continue to produce talent. And I'm just looking at the South African squad, um, and I don't see uh, Aiden Markham there. Is he injured, or is he has has he just not made the squad? Do you know? He got dropped. He got um, dropped. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's been in and around the side, but. Uh, and he's a really talented player, but just the last year or, or, or thereabouts, he just hasn't had the same output as he, as he was once having. And so, yep, they made the, they made the call to um, omit him from, from this side. All right. Well, they've got the depth to do it, clearly. Uh, hopefully it goes well for them. But, yeah, shocked to not see Aidan Markram out here. Well, the first test of the three-game series begins on Saturday at the Gabba. We're five days out. Who's your early prediction for that first test match? Well, um, I suppose if I had to be forced, I'd say Australia, which is just, you know, that they would be the narrow favourites. And I think it's mainly because um, touring sides, it always is a very tough place to come and win. Uh, They they have had at least um, um, some warm-up cricket, which is a good sign. Um, But, um, you know, Australia has a very, very um, proud home record, albeit, as I said, South Africa being one of the main sides that has has disrupted that of late. Uh, but I think that just the Australian, um, on paper, the Australian batting superiority over the South African batting 
more than makes up for uh, whether the South Africans' bowling lineup is a little bit better than ours or whether they're roughly equal or whether ours is a little bit better than theirs. Our batting lineup with Smith and Lava Shane, throw in Kawaja in career form, throw in um, Travis Head in career best form, Cameron Green, one of the best prospects that we've ever had, and David Warner, who's been, you know, hasn't been uh, at his very best, but you'd still never write him off, I don't think. Yeah, for sure. Well, do you reckon the the Gabba curse could hit us? You know, we the last test match we, well, two summers ago now against India was the last test match of the summer. This is now the third test match of the summer. Do you reckon there could be a little Gabba curse there for not being the first test of the summer? Um, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, geez, it's fallen because it was, um, the Gabbatoir until not long yeah. ago. We went from, um, 1988, 89, we lost, and then we lost again to India two summers ago, um, and in between we're undefeated. So, uh, no, I, I still think that we it, it's a ground that, that we play really well at. Um, you're right that normally it's the, the first test of the summer and, and the touring side sort of can sometimes come there and get a little bit cold and not familiar with Australian conditions and get rolled. Well, it's kind of, it is the first test match for South Africa, so there is that. But mm-hmm. I think that of all sides, in terms of... They probably got the least to do to acclimatise to Australian conditions of all sides because the South African conditions are probably the most similar to ours. Uh, so um, yeah, I mean, I think that um, um, we we do we do enjoy playing at the Gabba. It's going to be interesting actually to see uh, what sort of crowd um, they get there mm. because Brisbane crowds traditionally for Test cricket have not been you know have not been massive. Um, so hopefully um, they do get a, a fairly decent crowd because this series. It really does shape as a as a wonderful series, and uh, hopefully the, in the in the coming days the build up will get bigger because I, I'm really excited for it, and I, I think it could potentially be a cracker. And as much as I want Australia to win, um, I'd love it if South Africa came out of the blocks um, uh, running, and we really did have a contest for the, for the first time this summer. For sure. Well, you are the host of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. What have you got coming up this week that our listeners can tune into? Um, a really good preview of the South African um, series, and I can say that uh, with all due modesty because it wasn't me doing it. We've got actually um, uh, Fatima from the uh, from Cape Town on the show. Uh, oh. We just released it just now. Um, she's um, her handle is the Pop Increase, and uh, she's a, a really um, great uh, sort of South African cricketing journalist. We've had her on before. She's she's great fun. She has um, tremendous knowledge about South Africa. Uh, unfortunately, my other co-host, Men, has um, spent about a couple of minutes cataloguing all of the South African disappointments in World Cups just to sort of make her feel at home. So, um, you know, tremendous manners as always. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty good show. Um, I think that if you uh, enjoy cricket, you'll enjoy it. And uh, as I said, a pretty decent, I think, preview to give you a bit of a familiarity with the South African names if, you, if you're not so familiar with them. Very nice. Well, can't wait to have a listen. All right, Paul, appreciate your time this evening. Uh Unfortunately, we didn't get an absolute belter tonight in terms of cricket quality, but we got a close result in the end, and we'll have a hopefully have a good game tomorrow night uh, between the Strikers and the Sixers. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Bray. Thanks, Ethan. Cheers, Paul Dennett there from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast joining us.